I know people, we get excited, we get crazy. Some of this, it may be a little weird or different. It may not be something you're used to if you're a guest here tonight. But know this, there's too many people that have been through too much. We've gone through too much, done too much, seen too much, and that God's been constant through it all. And God's brought us through so much. And even though I've been through the fire, I know that he's still with me. And so, hey, God's been good to us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, glory. You got a little bit left? I hope you do. I hope you got just a little bit left. I'm going to be mindful of the time, but I feel like I need to preach tonight. Esther chapter 5, verse number 9 through verse number 13. Esther 5. God wants to do something in this building. Amen. I don't know if I've ever done what I'm about to do. If I have, it's only been once or twice in over a decade of being licensed. Almost 20 years of preaching. May will be 20 years this year that I preached my, since I preached my first sermon. That's amazing. And I don't know if I've only done this maybe once or twice, if at all. But I'm about to preach another man's message. I got a hold of something this week. And I told my wife, I said, hypothetically, would it be wrong if I preach another man's message? And she said, well, probably not. So I'm pulling back. Tonight, January of 1992, I'm going to preach something that was preached almost, well, 30 years ago, okay? But I feel it just for this church tonight. So if you'll indulge me, I promise to be mindful of the time. We're going to see what the Lord wants to do tonight. Esther chapter 5, verse number 9. The Bible says, Then when Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him. Then Haman was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh his wife, and Haman told them of the glory of his riches. And the multitude of his children. And all the things wherein the king had promoted him. And how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said moreover. Yea Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet. That she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow I am invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew. Sitting at the king's gate. For the next few moments, I'm going to do my, I know I'm not going to be able to preach it like Jerry Jones did in 1992. But I've got something burning in my heart tonight. I want to preach to this church sitting at the king's gate. Sitting at the king's gate. High five your neighbor. Tell them let's have church. And God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus name. I want to begin tonight by letting you know exactly where we stand in this life. The truth is tonight, I'm not going to mince words, we don't have time for this, but I need you to understand that we have an enemy who is doing his best to destroy our souls. 
The truth of the matter is, church, that there is an enemy. We know him as Lucifer, the devil, Satan himself, the accuser of the brethren, this archangel fallen from the purity and the holiness of heaven goes about, Peter says, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Understand me, the goal of hell is not to to try to get you uh, to, to just do and try something. The goal of hell is to destroy every human being on this earth. You see, the hatred for the Almighty is such that they understand, and they understand that they cannot destroy God in all of His power. So they attempt, hell attempts to destroy the likeness of God in humanity. The job before them is simple. Devour every being in their path. That's why the Bible says that in the last days, hell shall enlarge her mouth because the goal uh, is to completely consume spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, and mentally consume every human being that has ever walked and ever will walk the face of the planet. Now I understand there are a lot of things that you can talk about when you talk about the devil, but I need you to know that the devil that I'm talking about really does have power. I'm not trying to make him bigger than what he is or give him glory. I'm reminded of the little old lady that stood up in testimony service and simply said, the devil's been after me all week. Glory to his name. (laughs) I don't think that's what she was trying to say, but that's the way it came across. I'm not here to give glory to the devil, but I need you to understand that there is an enemy that has power to destroy you today. I've heard it said That the reason the Bible says the devil goes about like a lion seeking whom he may devour is because all he can do is roar like a lion because he has no teeth. He really doesn't have any power to destroy and he really doesn't have any power to maim and kill. But I'll be honest with you folks, the devil I've been fighting this week has got a few teeth. You didn't hear me. I said, I've been through enough fight to know and I've been chewed on enough to know that sweetheart, he's got some teeth. He's got some teeth to him. He's not this weak, anemic being. He really is a powerful being. But just as powerful as he is, I need you to know that I've got an answer tonight. It's like the little class, the little Sunday school class of eight-year-olds that the teacher asked, Can anybody describe what temptation is? Little eight-year-old girl raised her hand and said, Sister, temptation is when the devil comes knocking on your door and wants you to play with him. The teacher thought, that's a pretty good answer. I'm pretty impressed. So she asked the follow-up question. Well, what do you do when the devil comes knocking? The little girl thought for a moment and said, Well, my mommy always tells me that when somebody comes to the door and I don't know who they are, I'm supposed to peek through the little hole and see who it is. And when I see who it is standing there, I'm supposed to go find somebody bigger than me to answer the door. So if the devil's at my door and I peek through the hole and I see him, I'm going to go find Jesus 
who's bigger than me. And I'm going to let Jesus answer the door. And when Jesus answers the door, the devil recognizes, oh, I've got the wrong address. I didn't know Jesus lives here. My friend, I'm here to tell you, yes, the devil that's after you is big. He's strong. He's ugly. He wants to destroy you. But at the end of the day, I know a Jesus that's still bigger, that's still stronger, that's still more powerful, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I didn't come just to talk about the devil. I want to give you some, some, some Bible here. The truth of the matter is that there is no greater illustration in our Bible of the devil and his desires than the story of Esther and Mordecai. You see this man that we call Haman in the Bible had become, uh, had come to great power and great prestige in the kingdom of, of Persia. He had finagled his way. He had politicked his way. He had done every act imaginable to make his way into the king's ear. He had done everything he could to try to be on top and and be number one. He had finally arrived and now he walks through the kingdom with power and prestige. Second only to Xerxes himself. The truth of the matter is Haman has done all of these great things and all of these wonders and all of these mighty acts And now he has decreed that every time he walks through the streets, every time he goes to the king's house, every time he walks through the marketplace, that those that see him are to bow and stand in his presence and then bow and and respect him. It is interesting to note, ladies and gentlemen, that it doesn't take a theological expert or or a, a a sociologist or anybody with a lot of degrees and know-how to recognize that our, our enemy, the devil, walks around this earth much like Haman today. He's made it to the top. He controls so much. And when he walks through the schools and the companies and the marketplaces and the political arenas of our world today, thousands, yea, even millions bow in respect to him. They may not call him by his rightful name, but yet they bow to his agenda and they bow to his power and they reverence his authority. I've got a pastor that just recently here in the United Pentecostal Church that just recently posted on a preacher's forum. He lives in Ohio, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, and said, this has just come to my attention. I don't know what to do. But the high school here, the local high school, has just approved an after-school club of satanic worship. The reality is, church, that the agenda is marching forward. You can't tell me that abortion, I'm not trying to be political, but I'm going to be biblical right now. 
You can't tell me right now that the slaughter of unborn babies is not demonic. I'm sorry, my friend. I don't care whose choice you're touting. The truth of the matter is uh, it is a a satanic attack uh, against humanity. Uh, I'm here to tell you the enemy is alive and well. uh, And it's in the media. And I'm not not talking about uh, uh, fake news. I'm not being political. I need you to understand that tonight. Uh, But I also understand that it is in our entertainment industry. There's a reason why, um, God help me tonight, but there's a reason tonight that Jeff Epstein died in prison. It's because he's connected to too many high-powered individuals. And if he gets brought to trial, it's going to come out that there's a lot of pedophilia going on in Hollywood and in Washington, D.C. And you and I can sit here and fold our Pentecostal hands and say, let's just have cute church. The reality is we're under attack. Jesus, help me tonight. I was told today at lunch that there is a lady in our town that she was talking to somebody and she said, I don't understand it. uh, It sounds like there's voices in my home. I'm not so sure that there's not demons in my home. And that's in Alto, Texas. I'm not trying to look for demons under every bush, church. But you need to understand that there is a battle waging and the enemy is walking around with his chest puffed out saying, I'm the prince of the power of darkness. I'm still a ruler in a high place. I still have power on this earth. He, he he goes through, you listen to me, he goes through our high school and our junior high and our elementary campuses uh, and he's looking around going, hey, uh, I'm still king here. He, he goes on your job day in and day out and he, he wants everybody to know that I'm still in control here. He, he walks through our cities and our communities in East Texas. Uh, yes, in Bible Belt, East Texas. Uh, and he declares to the world, I am uh, the man in charge. Uh, but hear me today, uh, Haman had one thorn in his flesh. He looked at all of the things he had accomplished. He looked at all the things that he had in his grip. But when he got to to the king's gate, there was one that still sat at the king's gate that didn't bow, that didn't bend, that didn't waver. And the Bible says uh, that Haman went home uh, after watching all of them bow uh, and watching everybody try to respect him. Uh, he went home, uh, grabbed his friends and his family uh, and began to lay out all of his trophies and accolades uh, and said, yet at the end of the day, uh, all of this means absolutely nothing uh, because of one little old Jew. Just one little old Jew in all the kingdom of Persia that just sat at the king's gate. Calvary Tabernacle, I've come to preach to every apostolic in this building. I know at times you've wanted to give up, give out, and get out. But you need to stay just a little longer at the king's gate. Because every time hell passes by your way, he's reminded there's still a body. There's still a church. There's still a moving of the spirit. There's still a prayer warrior. There's still a worshiper. And as long as there's just one, there's still a church. 
Oh, I know. I know some days we get up and we run to the gate. I know there's some days we are excited to be at our post. There are some days that we can't wait to get to the house of God. There are some days that we want to tell everybody about Jesus. There's some days we're on cloud nine and we think we're just literally walking with Jesus. But if we're really honest tonight, there's also days that we just struggle to even get out of bed. And the reality is, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, it doesn't matter. The attack wages and we wonder what in the world's going to happen. And we just struggle to get to the king's gate. But I can't help but think what hell thinks when he goes about his kingdom. When he goes about his day looking at all the havoc he's wrecking. Looking at all the bad things he's doing. And all the stupid stuff that's happening. I can't help but wonder when he gets to the king's gate and he starts looking and there's nobody there. Something begins to bubble up inside of him and he starts thinking maybe I won today. Maybe I made it today. But then he looks up and down the road before they ever get to the gate he can see that dear saint saying I don't know if I'm going to make it but I'm going to keep on putting one foot in front of the other. Hey my friend you're the only thing standing between hell and the king's gate. Hallelujah. So I've come to preach to every parent of backslidden children to tell you now's not the time to leave the post. Now's not the time to leave the gate. Now's not the time to surrender your position at the gate. Just stay at the king's gate. I've come to preach to grandparents, aunts and uncles, to people that have lost their mind and walked away from God. I'm here to remind you now's not the time to back up or surrender. But sweetheart, just keep setting at the king's gate. I've come to preach to an apostolic church that many might say, you know what, Alto's not that big and East Texas has had its share of revival. My friend, no, just keep setting at the king's gate. Just keep worshiping at the king's gate. Just keep living at the king's gate. Hey folks, it's time to keep walking at the king's gate. Hallelujah. You know what I find interesting about the king's gate? Is in that day, in that moment, Mordecai didn't have the authority or the privilege or the rank to access the king's throne. He didn't. But he got close enough to the king's gate that when he recognized the problem and started fasting at the king's gate and clothed himself in sackcloth and ashes at the king's gate, Esther began to move because you weren't allowed to do that at the king's gate. Esther sends word to her uncle Mordecai. You can't act like that at the king's gate. You can't dress like that at the king's gate. You got to carry yourself different at the king's gate. And Mordecai said, you don't understand. This is as far as I can go. But I'm going to get as close as I can to the king. And I'm going to get his attention one way or the other. 
I'm here to tell somebody you may not understand it you may not know how it's going to happen but if you'll just sit at the king's gate you'll eventually get the attention of of the king one of these days, uh, if you'll just keep praying, uh, and if you'll just keep fasting, uh, and if you'll just keep seeking the king's face, uh, you just get as close as you can. Uh, eventually, there's coming a day uh, where the queen's going to go in for the king. Uh, the queen's going to walk into the king's court uh, and say, hey, uh, there's a man uh, sitting at the king's gate. Uh, he's got a petition of the king. Uh, my friend, hear me. Keep sitting uh, at the king's gate. Jesus, Jesus. And many of you know the story. Haman's mad. None of this availeth anything. Means nothing. All of my accolades, all of my wealth, and all of my splendor, all of my accomplishments mean nothing because of one little man named Mordecai who sits at the king's gate. So his wife and his advisors come up with a plan. Why don't you make a gallows? Why don't you concoct a decree? We'll destroy the Jews and you can hang Mordecai on the gallows in your courtyard. Hang him high. If he won't bow, we'll string him up. We'll destroy what won't bow. The Bible says... That he goes back to the palace of the king. And a servant hurriedly makes his way through the courtroom. And spies old Haman. And says, Haman, you're just the man the king's looking for. He's requesting you to come into his presence. What Haman doesn't know. Is that the king can't sleep. And he's got a hold of some old records. That show just how important it is to sit at the king's gate. He's got a hold of an old record that says Mordecai, a Jew. Was sitting, oh faithful Mordecai. At the king's gate. And it's at the king's gate that he hears. Of a, of, a, of a plan to assassinate the king. And Mordecai, because he was at the gate, goes and tells Esther. And Esther tells the king. And the king's able to destroy these would-be assassins. And yet Mordecai doesn't get any reward. And now King Xerxes or Ahasuerus, depending on what commentator you read, in his inability to sleep is hearing the story read in the king's chronicles. And he says, wait a minute. What did we do for the fella sitting at the king's gate? Well, we really didn't do anything, king. We didn't pay him anything. We didn't promote him or anything. We need to find somebody that can figure out something to honor Mordecai. Wait, did you say Haman's here? Haman, I got a question for you. You're my chiefest advisor, my right hand. Can you give me an idea of something we can do 
to honor the man whom the king delights to honor. Oh, Haman gets so proud. Whoo, he's going to honor me. Here's what I think you ought to do, king. Put your robe on him. Put your crown on him. Put your horse under him. And let your man lead him around and proclaim through all the city. This is what happens to the man whom the king delights in. Now that don't mean anything to us. Why would you put him in your own jacket? Why would you put a crown on his head? This ain't, this ain't Burger King. Why in the world would you let him ride your horse of all things? I might want to ride his Bugatti or something, but I sure don't want to ride his horse. Right? Doesn't thrill us any. But you see, what Haman was saying is, I want you to put your identity on this man. And with, his, with the king's identity came his authority and his power. Y'all with me so far? What Haman was saying is, if I can't be the king, I want you to make it look like I am the king. Haman's planning. This is a political statement for Haman. This is a man who will stop at nothing to rule. It's the same thing that Satan tells Jesus in Matthew 4. If you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. And yet much to Haman's dismay, the king says, that's a great idea. Go get Mordecai. And Mordecai, or Haman, the enemy of the Jews. The best picture of Lucifer incarnate that we have in our Bible. Took a man sitting at the king's gate and put the king's crown on him. Put the king's robe on him. Put the king's mule under him. And led him around saying, look what the king delights to honor in. I'm here to tell you somebody right now. If you'll just be faithful and sit at the king's gate. Just keep sitting at the king's gate. There's coming a day. There's coming a day where there's going to be a promotion. And the Bible says that you and I will return with him to reign as kings and priests with him. In fact, we're going to then, the Bible said that an angel is going to take a hold of Lucifer and he's going to throw him in the bottomless pit and we're going to look on him and think, is this the man? And the reality is, we're going to know what it's like to have the king's power and the king's authority and the king's name placed on, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I wish somebody would hear me right now. We've got to keep sitting at the king's gate. I know it's bad, but keep sitting at the king's gate. I know your situation's dire, but be faithful at the king's gate. There's coming a victory. There's coming a day where the enemy's going to be destroyed. But you got to be faithful at the king's gate. Music come. Music come and give them hope. Everybody stand. Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor, I can't make it anymore. You don't understand. I don't have time to go through this. I don't have time to go through it, but I need you to hear me. There are more miracles that happen at gates in your Bible than we like to take and think about. 
But it was at a gate called Beautiful that a lame man's healed. It's at a gate outside of Samaria that four lepers routed an entire Assyrian army. It's at the gate that God reconnects with a man named, named Lot and is able to save his family because he was at the gate. Hear me today. If you don't get anything out of this tonight, you get this last part. God is looking for a church that no matter how bad it gets, you just stay faithful at the gate. Oh, the enemy's here, but he's not too strong. What does the song say? And the battle's hard, but it's not too long. And, and, and I know the road gets rocky, but we're still going to make it. I know the devil's real, but he's still defeated. I know situations seem horrible and, and, and beyond our control, yet... I'm here to tell you God's still on the throne. You just got to sit, stay, make your house at the king's gate. Just stay faithful at the king's gate. Don't give in and don't give up because as long as you're at the gate. I know I'm taking this out of context, but just remember the gates won't prevail against the church. Just remember the church still wins. And he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Don't mind me, devil. I'm making my home at the gate. I've been beat up. I've been battered. I've been pushed around and persecuted. I've faced temptation I've made mistakes, but I'm still at the gate. I may not understand what tomorrow, what happened yesterday, and I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm still at the gate. I may not have an answer for every problem. I may not can give you the best advice, but I'm staying at the gate. And if I got to lay down at the gate, if I got to just survive at the gate, if I got to just make my bed at the gate, at the end of the day, I'm going to make it at the gate. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to walk through pearly gates and I'm going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. You were faithful at the gate. Come on, is there anybody that says, I got a little bit of fight left. I may be battered and bruised, but I'm going to stay at the gate. I, I know I've been through it, but I'm still faithful at the gate. Come on, is there anybody that you've been through it, but you'd be willing to step out of your, your pew right now and step down to an altar and throw your hands in the air and say, devil, I'm making my, my bed at the gate. Hey, God, in case you were wondering, I'm going to stay faithful at the gate. In case you were worried about me quitting I'm going to stand at the gate come on church let's begin to worship him come on we're faithful at the gate 
Come on, we're faithful. I hadn't seen it yet, Pastor. That's okay. You just stay faithful at the gate. But I've lived for God for so long and I hadn't seen the blessings uh, like I think I ought to see it. Hey, baby, you just keep holding on. There's breakthrough coming at the gates. Come on, church. Come on, church. It's breaking right now. Come on, church. Why don't we lift him up? Uh, push on in the spirit. Come on. Let's go ahead and talk to him. Come on. My marriage may not be what it's supposed to be, but I'm going to be faithful at the gate. I may be struggling financially, but I'm going to be faithful at the gate. I may not know if my babies are coming back, but I'm going to be faithful at the gate. Hey, we're going to still sit at the king's gate. <laughs>